And I'm excited to continue in our sermon series this morning that we've titled 316, 316, identifying these 316 passages in the Bible and getting to know God better through each one of them. And so we've selected eight. Today's going to be the sixth installment in our eight-week series, and I hope you get something out of it and are, are encouraged by the words in the text. Week number one, we talked about Revelation 316, which really highlights this God who is not content with a lukewarm lifestyle or cold worship. I pray that we continue to get hot for the Lord, that 2019 would be a year of heat from Walk Church when it comes to pursuing the Lord. The, the second week we continued in that series, we, we talked about what it looks like to be, to be uh, somebody who gets God's attention. In Malachi 3.16, it says, believers met together, they feared the Lord, they spoke to each other, and they praised his name. Sounds a lot like what we're doing today, right? It says that God paid attention to them, and he wrote a book in remembrance of them. I praise God that not only is the Lord here, but he's taking notes today, right? He's, he's got his book out. He's going to remember this moment, this praise and worship service here at Walk Church on February 10th. And he's going to say, that's the place that I was at, and here's how they worshiped me. We talked about being rich in the word, and I like how Pastor Ryan Ivey delivered his first sermon here at Walk Church about a church that is not poor in the word, but rich in the word. Was that good? Yeah. Come on, right? Pastor Ryan bringing some heat from Colossians 3.16, and we also had Pastor Dan, one of our church planting partners in Pennsylvania. He, he preached on 2 Timothy 3.16 and how we're, we're called to be a church that knows God's word and grows deeper into his word, and he even gave us some cool ways to remember those challenges and passages. And then last week, Pastor Gary Jasmine dropped a good word on us from John 3.16, the most popular of all the 3.16s about believing and receiving Jesus and how he so loved us, right? That the Father gave his only son. He's a generous God. Well, we pick it up today in our 3.16 series in a, a passage of scripture that's buried in the book of 1 Corinthians. And we're going to be looking at chapter 3, verse 16. So let's go ahead and put that on the screen. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, or you want to look at the cheat screens, we got them around for you. And let's go ahead and read this passage together. If you're ready, say ready. ready. Come on, that was kind of weak. If you're ready, say ready. ready. All right, if you're hungry to eat from this word, say let's eat. Let's eat. First Corinthians 3.16, Lord feed us. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? The apostle Paul asks a question to the Corinthian church. He says, do you not know that you are, are God's temple? Let's go, ahead and, let's go ahead and add verse 17 on there. It says, if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. Somebody say, that's deep. That's deep right there. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. God, I pray that you would speak to us now through this message. Open our hearts, open our minds to grow deeper in your word this morning. Help us to know you and the gospel better because of this message. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. There's, there's really two parts to this sermon that I want us to wrestle with. I want us to wrestle with this first part that I'm calling the corporate body with the tagline, bought by Christ and for his glory. And then the second part, which is the individual body, the individual body, which is the same tagline, bought by Christ and for his glory. Both are important. Both are relevant for us today. Both uh, we should take time and get to know. Let's go ahead and kick it off with the corporate body in part one. The text says, do you not know that you are God's temple? 
Now, why would the Apostle Paul, the church planting pastor of this church in Corinth, ask this question? I think that there's a few reasons why he would ask the question, but let's just go ahead and get some context. Now, Corinth was a city that the apostle pastor Paul went to to plant a church. And now Paul was this this driver, this kind of go get it done, charge the hill, and then do it again type mentality. He, He was the apostle Paul. So he would go to these different cities like Corinth or Ephesus or Colossae or Thessalonica or Galatia, right? And he would go and he would plant churches. And so he started all these different churches, and now he's writing letters to them, instructing them about how they should worship, how they should learn. Now, the Corinthian church was unique. And here's why. I think all of them are unique, but Corinthians was for sure because they were a messed up church. Like, they had a lot of issues. Like, our church has issues, I'm sure. I know. But compared to the Corinthian church, I think we're doing all right. (laughs) The Corinthian church had problems, problems, all right? And they they wrote to, to the apostle Paul, and they said, Pastor Paul, we got problems. We got sexual sin problems. We got idolatry problems. We got people that are worshiping people problems. We got eating food that shouldn't be ate problems and all types of stuff like that. And so Paul, he responds with a letter and he says, okay, dear Corinthian church, let me help you think rightly about all your issues. Now, one of their issues was idolatry. Idolatry is just worshiping or responding to a person rather than God. And they were dealing with this in their church. So for example, when Paul started this church, he raised up elders and leaders. One of them was a a man by the name of Apollos. We don't know a ton about Apollos, but here's what we do know. When Apollos spoke, it was this eloquent wisdom. It was like the sun just came out when he started speaking. People just lit up when he spoke. He had these words of wisdom. And so people said, I like when Apollos is there. I only want to go when Paulos is there. I want to follow Apollos. And then there was a whole other group of people that said, wait, hold up, but Paul planted this church. I want to follow Paul. I want Paul to be here. How come Paul's not here? And Paul gets it right in 1 Corinthians 3. He says, listen, when I came and planted this church, I didn't build the foundation of this church on me or Apollos. It's on Jesus. So take your eyes off man and put them back on the right place, which is Christ. Paul says the foundation of the Corinthian church and let me, get, let me encourage you, the foundation of Walk Church is Jesus, is the gospel, and it will always be that. I, I really did miss being here the past three weeks, but I was amazed at just how God showed up through each one of the messages. Our attendance grew while I was out. I was like, man, I hope I got a job when I come back, man. God has been moving here in this place, and I'm grateful for the leaders that are being raised up here and just taking the baton and, and crushing it. And we should never find our preference in a person, but in Christ, in the message of the gospel. And that's what was happening here. And so Paul writes to the church and he says, do you guys not understand It's not about a person. Do you not know that you are God's temple? That you are God's temple. Now, what is the significance of God's temple? Let me just give you a little history lesson on the temple of God. The temple of God is a very important component of the Bible. D.A. Carson says the temple of God is the meeting place between God and man. If you do a casual study through the Old Testament... It won't be long until you start hearing all this language about the temple of God. The temple of God is where you would go to sacrifice for your sin. The temple of God was a place where a selected high priest would go into the Holy of Holies, which was a 
a, a specific room in the temple of God and it would be this prescribed high priest that would then take the very specific prescribed blood of either a bull or a goat and then use that on this one day of the year, the day of atonement to sacrifice for the sin of the people. And it was such a holy place that when the high priest would go into this holy room, he would have to have a string tied to his foot that had a little bell on it because he was approaching this holy room where the presence of God dwelt. And if he got too close and he was unprepared and wasn't careful, he would fall down and die right there on the spot. That the presence of God would shake him so bad that he would just die. And so if the bell rang, that meant, oh, we gotta go drag him out, brother's dead, <laughs> right? Because he wasn't prepared. It was that significant of a place. In the temple of God, the tabernacle was stationed there. The tabernacle was what God set up to have his presence dwell in this specific place. So while God is in heaven, he gave us a, a portion of his spirit to dwell with us here on earth. And it was in that place that was called the temple. David, who you may be familiar with, in the book of First and Second Samuel, we see King David come alive. And David had one bucket list dream. If you said, David, what's your all-time goal? If you could do anything with your life, what would it be? And David tells it to us. In 2 Samuel 7, he says, I wanna build the temple of God here on earth. I wanna build a house for the Lord. David says that my dream, I'm spending my entire life to build this temple for God. But if we learn much about David, we learn that he was an adulterer, he was, he was a murderer, he, he was prideful, he, he had struggled with fear, but he was also a man after God's own heart, which should encourage us that even if for all those things, God still can use us. But he tells David, he says this, he says, David, you got way too much blood on your hands. You'll never be able to build my temple. But I'll, I'll use your son to build it. And so David and his wife would give birth to this baby boy named Solomon. And Solomon would become the king in David's place. And Solomon said, my dad, all he wanted to do was build a temple for the Lord. I'm gonna build that temple. God said, I'm gonna do it. And Solomon, right, you can see it in 1 Kings chapter five. This brother got all types of people, thousands upon thousands, like 30, 40,000 people together. And he said, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna build the temple of the Lord. And it's gonna be very specific in these many cubits and, and measurements and inches and brick by brick. And we're gonna build this house where the presence of God can dwell and we'll be able to go there and, and anoint priests to go in and it'll be a special moment. Once a year, all of us will go to the temple. It's gonna be amazing. It's the temple of the Lord. There's nothing like it. And they built it and they worshiped there. And we see the Old, the Old Testament display the temple of God. It is, it is amazing, the temple of God. But we see here in the New Testament that Paul says, do you not know that now you are God's temple? <laughs> that that's a big deal. That, that God looks at the church now actually as his temple. I spent almost a year in Israel. I meant that made the trip to Jerusalem many times where the old temple used to be, the temple that Solomon built. It's no longer there. You can't find it. And honestly, we don't need it because here's the reality. This verse of scripture tells us something special. It says, do you not know, walk church, that you are God's new temple? He says that, that God's spirit dwells in you. How do you know that we're the temple? Well, here's how you know, because the Spirit of God is here. 
What makes a temple a temple when it comes to, to God? Here's what makes God's temple God's temple, if God is there or not. The, the, the bricks and the paint and the, the gold really doesn't matter much if God's not there. And so he says, where can you find God? Let me tell you where you can find him. You wanna know where you can find God? In church. That Jesus says, I'm the husband to my bride, the church, that the, the church is the body of Christ and the church is the temple of God. That this is where his spirit dwells. We see in Ephesians chapter one, verse 13, Paul writes to the Ephesian church, he says, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and you believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God isn't confined to just one room called the Holy of Holies. The Spirit of God's here. The Spirit of God is in this room. The Spirit of God is in this place that right now, listen up church, we're in the temple. Did you, did you catch that? Or, or are you like the Corinthians? Do you not know where you're at? Here's one of the reasons why I think church is so important, why prioritizing being here and inviting more people to join with you and committing to being in the house of God is because this is the new temple. Or maybe you don't know that. Do you not know that you walk church are the temple of God. Ephesians 2.21 reminds us of this reality, that we are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. This reminder should move us to worship because what you do at the temple is worship. What you do at the temple is bring your sins before God so you can be forgiven. What you do at the temple is bring your sacrifice to God so you can praise him. And that's what we're doing here that right now you're at the temple. The church is God's temple because the church is where God's spirit dwells and lives. Now, Paul goes deeper here, right? Let's look back at our verse and let's introduce verse 17. He says this, if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. Here's what that means. Watch this, that if you mess with the church, God's gonna mess with you. If you hinder the church, God's gonna hinder you. If you bring division and try to be divisive in God's church, I've noticed the mo most of the people that I've found to be most divisive are the most dysfunctional. They got devices and stuff in their own life and they just bring it in. I'm reminded that if for those who try to bring destruction into the church, God says, it's not gonna happen, I'll destroy you. If you ever wanna get a, get a husband really angry, just mess with his wife, right? Wrong or right? Make, husbands make answer rightly here, all right? <laughs> right? If you do, and here's what Jesus says, for those who mess with my bride, the church, I'm gonna mess with you. That God will, God will cause confusion to happen in your life. God will cause destruction to happen in your life if you're hindering the body of Christ. Now, maybe you'd say, man, Pastor Hyden, what, that's, that's, that's kind of harsh, isn't it? That's just the Bible. I mean, we're reading the same book, yeah? Right, if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. But the temple isn't some building, the temple is the body. And so I would just go ahead and bring a challenge to us today that even if you're here right now and your heart is to be slanderish or your heart is to be gossipy or your heart is to be destructive or you wanna tear stuff down here at the church, one, it's not gonna last long. I'm grateful that we're part of a church that just nips that stuff in the butt really quick. Um, but also God will nip it. 
Just be, be assured of that. Like, you, it won't last long. God will get your attention. He says, don't mess with my bride. He'll always expose it. And so you can trust him on that. And I know that's not really feel good, but it's the scripture, and I want us to know that. Here's what else he says. He says, for God's temple is holy, and friend, you are that temple. And that's why it's important for us to be together. One brick on top of another, side by side, doing this thing together. I read this statistic recently. It blew my mind, and it also saddened me. This company called Barna does research on church and does research on the world and on churchgoers, specifically in America. And here's what they came out with. They came out with a report that says a faithful churchgoer goes to church once a month. Now, how can that be the definition of faithfulness? That means that if you go to church 12 times a year, you're faithful. I don't know about that. That means if you go to church three times out of the month, you radical. Like, yo, that person's saved, saved, like really, like super Christian, like oversaved, right? They go to church three times a month. Like, I'm faithful. I just go once a month. What? Like, if you go to church every week, they're going to make a little stamp of you, the thing of you to put on a dashboard of your car. Like, you're going to be a saint because you go to church, right? Like, we got to get back to the reality that this is God's temple. Like, this is a big deal to come bring your worship into the house of God. R. Kent Hughes, he writes about this in his commentary. He says it like this about the Corinthian church. He says, we cannot expect someone to thrive in isolation. Did you catch that? In our individualistic culture where we love to separate ourselves from community, he says, you won't thrive that way. We must be part of the building to receive the benefits of the foundation. The foundation is Christ. He says, if you want to be a part of the foundation, be joined with the building. One brick cannot say to another brick, I don't really like being so close to you. It's making me uncomfortable. The building will only stand because they stick together. Y'all hear me? Come on, help me out. Do you believe it? Right? He says, the building's only going to make it. That This church is only going to grow and make it as if we stick together. They must be unified, meshing, and interdependent. He goes on saying, being a rugged individualistic will, uh, will only lead to self-cannibalization. In other words, any push for independence from the community is really a push toward one's own demise. That's why we need to be a part of the temple. This body of temple worship going up to God. I wish we could just tap back into 2,000 years ago and get an appreciation of the temple of God. To go and see that thing sparked such joy in worship to be there on Solomon's temple that he built for God that David wanted to build for years. Just, just uh, three weeks ago while being in South Asia and in the specific part of India and we, we went to, to just minister the word and meet people and experience the culture. We went to the temple of the god Ganesh, lowercase g. He's the elephant god in Mumbai and just being there and seeing the line just to get in wrapped around the streets and around the building, just to get in. And I said, why do people want it? They just want to go in and just, just drop a flower at the foot of Ganesh. They just want to worship him. I thought, man, we don't, we're, we're getting beat by everybody. We don't understand worship. We don't understand saying, man, we're the temple of God. Where's our desperation for him again? Where's our desperation to come into this place and lift our hearts and hands 
to Jesus. I know Jason kind of compelled us right there to lift our hands. And for some of y'all, that felt so uncomfortable. But I want to remind you that you're the temple. You're where the worship's at. Because the Spirit of God is, is here in this place. Jesus, one time, he went up in the temple. In John chapter 2, he started flipping over tables because they began to turn the temple of God into a place of robbery and a place of money-making, and they started to lose the heart of worship. And and Jesus goes up in there, right? And the Jews say to Jesus, what sign do you do for doing these things? And Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, and in three days I'll raise it up. What was Jesus saying? I'm the temple. Jesus is saying, the temple is not a building. The temple is where, where God is at, and I'm here. So the Jews then said, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you will raise it up in three days? They're like, this guy is crazy. And Jesus is saying, I'm the temple. But he was speaking about the temple of his body. Now, what's his body today? The church, amen? If you want to experience the body of Christ, you got to be a part of his church. That's the temple of God. Or if you want to be somebody who just holds around the mystical Jesus head, and those are the people that say, I love Jesus, I just hate church, then you just don't want the body of Christ. You just want a Jesus head, a Bible head, Jesus glowing, floating head. And Jesus isn't weird like that. Y'all got me? Can we keep it 100 today? Yeah? It's just, that's Jesus is like, you either get my whole body or you get none of me. And so that's why all of our dysfunctions and struggles are all part of the body of Christ. And we look to the head for direction. And we look to Christ for the gospel. And we look to Jesus for freedom. And we're, we're all the temple of God. John MacArthur says it like this in his commentary. He says, under the Old Testament, any person other than the high priest on the day of atonement who dared to enter the Holy of Holies would drop dead on the spot. He would not need to be put to death by people. God would strike him dead. Even less does God look kindly upon those who threaten or defile his holy people. This reminder that Jesus loves his church, loves his body, and loves his temple. The temple didn't get destroyed. The temple became the church. And that's why I just can't say it enough that where you're at today, there's no better place to be. Even if you're watching this online, there's nothing better you could watch. That you'd be part of a local church where you get to rub shoulders and be a part of brick by brick community and grow in the gospel together. That's why we are created to be the new temple of the Lord. And in this, in this culture, and in this, this pagan culture of where the Corinthians lived, this was a big deal. This language was important. You know why? Because they had temples there. They had temples to Asherah and temples to these false pagan goddesses and gods. They had temples to Zeus and Artemis and all these Greek mythological gods. They had temples there. And now this is good news because Paul's saying, you're the temple. And you get to go to a place and have your own temple where Jesus is lifted up and is the foundation. And I'll tell you what, we, we know how to worship in our culture. Let, let me show you. We're building a temple here in Las Vegas. Here goes... Here goes a cool temple, right? This is Raider Stadium. And listen, don't, don't, uh, don't take what I'm saying out of context because I'm about to be in there getting excited, all right? I'm just letting y'all know. I'm a Las Vegas Raider fan, and I love sports, and I love athletics, and I get fired up about the game, but God is like, never get more fired up. You're the temple for me. Like, I love this picture, right? You got the, the, the temple glow, 
and we sit in church and we just kind of play patty cake. Yeah, it's church. Check it off the box. You know, go to church so we can go to the real temple. Should never be that way. Should never be that way. We should reverse that. We should be appreciative of the gifts that God has given us, like football or like culture, or like a concert, or whatever it is, or like when you go to lunch afterwards. Be appreciative. Thank God for it. Say, God, thank you so much for blessing me with this food. Thank you so much for blessing me with this game. Whatever that looks like, whatever it is you do, do it for the Lord. That's scripture. But let me tell you something. You're the temple. You're where the worship happens for the Lord. Don't forget that. That's why church is so important. And I would encourage you, to keep engaging, keep getting plugged in, keep showing up, keep showing off for the Lord. Let me go ahead and move us into the second part of the message today before we close. We just talked about the corporate temple, the corporate body. Now I want us to talk about the individual body, this individual temple. Because maybe some of you may be thinking right now, you'd be like, hey, dang, that was deep, Pastor Hyden. Like the church is the temple. I'm glad I'm not the temple. I'm glad it doesn't apply just to me. And I would challenge you on that and say, hold on now. Let's make sure we get our scripture and our thinking from the word. Now, three chapters later, 1 Corinthians 3 tells us that the church is the temple. Now, 1 Corinthians 6, we move three chapters later. Um, if you want me to keep going, say keep going. All right, you said it. All right, you, it's your fault. It says, verse 18, it says, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body. But the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know? He asked the Corinthians the same question. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? Look at the person next to you and say, you. Now, other side, say, friend. You too. Did everybody get covered? Does everybody know individually that we got a whole lot of little temples in the big temple today? Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? And hey, if you came today, now you know. It says that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. You are not your own. Just in case you were thinking, hey, it's my body. I get to do what I want with it. It's my feeling. It's my, it, this, this, this is all mine. Mine, mine, mine. In Christ, it's not your own. For you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. So the Corinthian church was struggling with all types of sexual sin. There was people sleeping with everybody in the church. It was bad, all right? It was nasty, all right? I'm just keeping it 100 with y'all. And so we're, here's what he says. He says, flee from sexual immorality. The word flee, some of your translations will say run or sprint. It means get away from it. Get away from it. And here's why. Because it's going to hinder your body in your mind, in your heart, and the person that you're with as well. Individually speaking, he says, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? I've heard people kind of misuse this scripture before. They say, see, that's why you shouldn't get tattoos. And I think that's a misunderstanding of the scripture. To be honest, I think the Bible would give you freedom to go get a tattoo. Just make sure it's glorifying to God. Make your temple for God a cool piece of art if you want, but do it for him. Right? The, the key to this passage right here, he's saying, look, I know sometimes people make the argument, hey, all sin is equal. All sin is equal. And that's kind of like a gray question, like yes 
and know at the same time every other sin a person commits is outside the body. But the sexually immoral person sins against their own body. And he says, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, that the holy of holies used to be in this room where you had to travel to Jerusalem to get to? You know where the holy of holies is now? It's in your heart. The holy of holies today is inside your heart. And Jesus, when you invite him in, he begins to set up his home in your heart. Y'all like, man, where's that in the Bible? Let me show it to you. John 14, I'm gonna clap with you. I'm gonna clap. We're gonna, we gonna clap. John 14, 23. Let's read this together. Come on, let's read it together. One, two, three. Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Jesus is like, that person at Walk Church, that person loves me. Well, how do you know they love me? Well, because they're listening and they're obeying me and they're worshiping me. I love that person. Jesus is like, Father, Holy Spirit, let's go make our home with that person. Let's bring the temple into that person. We don't need to have a time and a place where the temple is open. The temple's open in that person. And let me remind you, when Jesus invades, he also evicts, Right? Like Jesus will invade your heart and start getting things out of there. That right there needs to go. And the Holy Spirit, some of y'all know what I'm talking about when the Holy Spirit says that right there needs to go. Right? Like I'm not trying to slap some like legalism on you like a bunch of do's and don'ts. I'm just saying listen to the Spirit. You're the temple. Like you are the temple. And God so loved you to not leave you in your broken state he loved you so much that he sent his son Jesus to make you into your own temple. And your temple doesn't exist for your worship. The temple is always exists for God's worship. From the Old Testament to the New Testament, the temple is always for God. 1 John chapter 4, verse 16 tells us this. We have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. We are the temple. God abides in us. And so the closer you get to Jesus, the more you're going to start thinking like him. The more Jesus takes control of your heart. Come on, anybody ever seen Power Rangers back in the day? And they were, yeah, some of y'all got excited, right? Look, Power Rangers, I just remember they, you know, they'd have these big old monster machine things. And then there'd, there'd be the little Power Ranger inside controlling it, right? You know, that's Jesus. You invite Jesus into your life. He's taking control. He's taking the reins, right? We say he's not the co-pilot. He's the whole plane, right? He's not like the co-head coach and you're like the assistant coach. No, you, you on the bench and like Jesus put me in the game. Like, but you're the leader of my life. Jesus, do it in my life too. He loved you enough to die for you and rise for you and then place his spirit in you and make you a temple. Man, that's the God that we serve and one day we'll be in heaven and we'll be a part of the great and final temple and it won't be a building. We'll just be there with Jesus for wherever Jesus is, that's the temple. And he's in here and he's in here and that's why I'm here today because I wanna be a part of where he's at. Revelation chapter 21 verse 22 says, I didn't, it says, I saw no temple in the city for its temple is the Lord God, the almighty and the lamb. But the temple is him. And where he is, that's where we shall be. Let's pray.